going to talk about uh, let's go into the bicycle got a couple of um, topics on the bicycle uh, road safety one of our biggest concerns at bike friendly ATL um, got into a conversation on Facebook and I do this quite often because I'm uh, you know try to get people to see all sides so that Hopefully we can get a little more compassion from everybody. Um, first and foremost, um, the let me grab this piece of paper here. Shout out uh, the conversation I was having uh, was a post was in reference to a po- post that uh, was also in reference to a ghost bike that I just put up. For Felix Mayer up on Glen Ridge Drive in Roswell, Sandy Springs. Um, not too far from another ghost bike that uh, a gentleman was taken from us about a year ago. Mr. Martin Bijvank. I just put his ghost bike out up there. Just up a little bit, about a mile and a half or so from uh, Alex's. Um, uh, in talking with a couple of people on Facebook in reference to, um, Alex, um, uh, I mean, Felix Mayer's, uh, ghost bike, uh, a lot of, a lot of motorists, I can't deny that, and I, I don't disagree with them, uh, a lot of motorists say that for a cyclist to, um, be treated as a vehicle they need to drive like a vehicle i do not deny this uh my first point is going to be uh and like i said i don't make these points to get people mad i I get them to understand uh one a lot of cyclists not all but a lot of cyclists and in cycling from a lot of people um around the country uh, especially in the major cities where couriers are used for uh, food distribution, you know, from sandwich shops to uh, literally about everything. And then also the courier services who, you know, carry mail. I know in New York that is just monstrous. Um, then, uh, you know, they are under a time constraint. Does that mean it's okay for them to run the red lights? run the stop signs no um but on the other side of that and they are some of them are very reckless i cannot deny that you have to from a motor standpoint you have to understand that if a crash occurs if the law officers the leos simply come up and take all the evidence I mean, they should be taking 10, 15 pictures, some close up to the the articles that were in the crash, like the bicycle, the car, those in relation to each other, where they wound up, don't touch them. Uh, Then also where people, you know, if you want to spray paint, chalk the roadway, whatever, take as much evidence into pictures as you can. Then... If there's anything that is just blatantly obvious to you, okay, you know, you can give a citation or whatever. I mean, literally, you don't have to, you don't have to give a citation. You literally could take all the evidence, 
you can take all the insurance, whatever, whoever's got insurance, take all that down, literally. And then, you know, I don't want to say take it to court, but let the insurance take care of it. If there's a discrepancy, then let it go to court. That's what our court system, I don't want to bog down the court system. I agree. But when it push comes to shove, the physical evidence, the pictures that you see can be recreated. The crash site can be recreated. It is hard. It literally, I don't want to say it's impossible in today's world, nearly impossible to get away with anything when there is physical evidence to back it up. Um, you know, you can take blood spatter. You can take anything you want to. Doesn't It is literally impossible. But if it's hearsay, if the policeman doesn't take down pictures, doesn't take down statements, witnesses, things like that, then all that stuff now is lost. And that is crucial to hearing in a court of law. And that's what you want to avoid. You want as much physical evidence as you can get. So from the standpoint of the cyclist, I think they understand from talking to a lot of couriers, uh, being a road cyclist myself, I've talked to couriers and their services and they understand, you know, the time constraints that they're put under to make the small amount of money they make. They're under a time constraint you would not believe. Does that mean it's okay to run a red light, stop signs? No, it's not okay. doesn't make it okay because you're in a hurry. Everybody's in a hurry. So my, my wish is that they would get on the same page as vehicles. Is that going to happen? I don't really think so. I hope so. On the same hand, uh, my shout out is to Mr. Neil Fleming and Curtis Ray Davis. They were making some comments on Facebook and I kind of try to shed a little light to them. On the other hand, uh, you know, because a cyclist understands that if they run a stop sign or a red light and they get hit by a car that has the right of way, I think the car should not be treated. I think the cyclist should pay for all damages to the car. End of story. That's part of the game. That's not a game, but that's part of you understanding you run a red light, you're in the wrong, you lose. On a bicycle, you lose. End of story. On the same hand, uh, to my two Facebook commenters, um, just because you know you want a cyclist to drive like motorists, I think you need to go sitting at a red light or a stop sign anywhere you care to in the good old U.S. of A. And I think you might want to bring that back and say, I wish cyclists would drive like we all should drive because motorists ain't driving that way either. You know, motorists are going 10 miles an hour over the speed limit when it comes up to a yellow light and they're 20 yards before the yellow light and it's turning red. I guarantee you, if it's a 35-mile-an-hour speed zone, they're going 45 and 50 right there and going to run that red light. Uh, how many cars have you seen come to a red light and round the corner? You know, maybe take a brief look. It's not a yield. And then last but not least, you've got a, some red lights have a yield sign on the corner, and a car will come up, 
And they think that when their light is red, they think that yield sign means that they're supposed to yield. That's like slow down as they're turning the corner. It doesn't. The red light takes precedent over any signage there. The only, yeah, that's, that's the, that is the law. So if there's a red light, a red, a red traffic light, and you have a yield sign, that yield sign is there for cars that are turning right to yield to left-turning traffic that are coming at you. That is what that yield sign is for. So, to Mr. Davis and Mr. Fleming, uh, and you know, the sad part is my mother was a driver's ed teacher, so I understand all this stuff. Uh, it doesn't make it, because you can get away with it, does not make it right. That is where a lot of our country needs to get back to. Don't do what you can get away with. That is that is getting us into the wild, wild west of driving right now. We got cars that can't react rationally in the time that they're given because they're going 10 or 15 miles an, miles an hour above the speed limit in a high traffic area. Cars going in and out of stop signs, or not stop signs, but shopping centers, things like that. They don't have enough time to react to things that happen going 10, 15 miles an hour too fast. If you're going to speed limit, you'd have enough time to react, especially if you're not distracted or drunk. So, to my two Facebook friends, I agree with you. I wish everybody would obey the speed limits. I wish everybody would stop at stop signs. Uh, last but not least, to my two Facebook friends, uh, Mr. Curtis Ray Davis and Neil Fleming, one reason doesn't make it right, cyclists run stop signs, stop, not stop signs, stop lights, is that if they come up and they are the only vehicle there, that sensor, if you don't know about sensors, then you ain't been paying attention while you drive. Almost every red light, with the exception of some really, really urban areas, even in the city, some really, really side streets not used that much, they, if you come up to the red light right by the white line that is just before the crosswalk, there are, in each lane, if there's two lanes you can get in going straight at a red light, both lanes usually will have three lines cut in the lane itself, and then, and then those lines will be joined. That's usually about, I don't know, 10, 12 feet, by, you know, just behind that white line that you should be stopping at. Those are sensors. They sensor a large metal vehicle. Most road bikes, uh, a lot of bicycles around, it, around the world, uh, they're either made of steel, aluminum, or carbon. And if they're made of carbon, they're never going to trip that sensor. Some sensors are sensored to, to weight. And those, uh, and the cyclists, usually if they're paying attention, they'll know which ones and where to go to get the route so that th that red light will change. I've done that myself. So I'm a little more of an aware cyclist. I'm not in a hurry usually. Uh, I can't blame the couriers. What they do is not right. Uh, they're just under time constraint or think they can get away with it. And that's that's what's gotten us to where we are, fellas. We've got to get back to doing what's right. But in, in the end, uh, car wins no matter who's right or wrong. The bad part is 
We also know that a lot of people driving cars think that a cyclist is going to slow you down by 5-10 minutes. It's not. It's not. If you were 5 minutes late getting to work, you're still going to be 4 minutes late getting there. That cyclist is not going to make you 5 more minutes late. Have a little compassion. Take your left tires. Put them over in the next lane over. You know, go around the cyclist. Give him more than 3 feet. 3 feet is the law. And let everybody get along the road a lot safer. That is all we ask. Please, above anything else, one, put your cell phone down. That is a law. And that is should be a $1,000 fine for every time you get caught with it in your hand. That is worse than drunk driving. So, don't get me started on you know driving like a, a motorist. <laughs> if I pick my cell phone up when I'm, when I'm on my bicycle... You know, I don't got to worry about you hitting me. I'm worried about hitting the ground myself because there are many, too many potholes and debris out there on the road to pick your cell phone up. Um, so I'm going to let that one lay like it is. We all could use a little more compassion towards each other. Neither one are doing the right thing right now, and I wish that would change. Uh, first thing I can tell you to do is start with the person in the mirror. Uh, if you do that, lead by example, we're all going to be a lot better. Uh, moving on, a uh, shout out to my friend. I posted on Instagram the other day on our Bike Friendly ATL uh, Instagram account about anybody got any suggestions about, um, you know, topics for this podcast. And Mr. Mark Colavito uh, shot me a question, and I really appreciate it. Number one, you can... Uh, Join me if you're on Zwift, Z-W-I-F-T. Uh, it is an online uh, interactive gaming platform that uh, allows you to cycle online with anybody around the world. I've got little groups. I've done, I do meetups all the time. So please join in whenever you can. Mark asked me, when you're climbing a hill, a mountain, uh, and this, I, I do this on Zwift. I do this on the road. Uh, is it better to be standing or sitting? Uh, I'm not a professional cyclist, Mark, uh, or anybody who wants to listen to me. If you've got any uh, heads up on this, you can please head over to Bike Friendly ATL and you can message me, uh, direct message me if you want. You can go to our website, bikefriendlyatl.org, uh, and message me there. I've got, you can message me through both of those uh, places. Um, I prefer, and I think, the standing as you're climbing, um, you see in the Tour de France, in a lot of areas in, in racing, when people tend to stand, they tend to be attacking. It is because you can gear down a gear or two or even three sometimes from where you were while you were sitting, and you can use your body weight. And you literally, if you really train at it enough, uh, I remember back in, you know, 10 years ago or so, I was a little bit younger. Uh, I did the six gap century, which uh, shout out to my boy, Robert Wilhite. Just heard the other day that he's supposedly going to help uh, or going to uh, manage that, that ride. Um, that is in late September. Hopefully it'll happen this year. Um, he, uh, me and a couple of my students would go up and we trained to 
for one part of the, the infamous climb up there called Hogpen, we trained here around Stone Mountain a lot, standing and, and you know, for lengthy periods of time. Because on Hogpen, it's a seven-mile climb, and the last two miles are right or near, you know, 12 to 15 degrees for about two miles. Well, that's quite a ways when you're averaging seven, eight miles an hour, and all of a sudden you're going to stand up and start averaging about 10 to 12. That's a, a you know, gear too higher, but that's, you know, that can be, you know, you're probably talking about, you know, 10 or 12 minutes you're standing, and we trained to be able to do that. And the year we did that, I think I climbed Hogpen in, you know, somewhere around like 42 to 45 minutes, something like that, um, and really uh, enjoyed the climb. You know, the first four to five miles was, uh, you know, we were sitting down a little bit, but we were still, you know, going pretty good. And then we decided when we got to that two-mile section, we would come out of saddle. And, you know, that gives your legs and your your, le your legs especially a chance to breathe and stretch out a little bit. And if you can get the right gearing and the right rhythm, uh, you can actually climb a little bit faster. But it takes, like anything, it takes some building up to. It's not like you're just going to jump up off that saddle one day, Mark, and, you know, start hammering it down. It don't work that way. Hope that uh, I do know a lot of the pros when they're sitting there, you know, just going up the mountain uh, and trying to, you know, maintain status quo. They're usually sitting and their gearing is pretty, you know, acceptable to do that. Uh, but they're all racing within about the same level, each one of them, you know, at the pro level. So that makes that a little bit easier of a choice. Um, a couple of, of side notes. Uh we do have at bikefriendlyatl.org slash online hyphen store. You can go and find uh, a ton of memorabilia to remember our fallen friends. Uh, almost everything there uh, can be personalized, customized uh, by yours truly, um, I feel that everything that I do for our fallen friends, uh, I want you, the uh, followers and leaders of this movement, uh, to get our fallen friends' voices heard. I want you to feel like you are getting a part of every ghost bike that's been built because the same hands that build, has built every ghost bike is actually prints every t-shirt, actually... Uh, prints out every mug. Uh, we do have mugs, and we just got some morph mugs in that are really awesome. You can look at our online store. There's a good description there about them, uh, and they can be customized. Um, you get a part of every ghost bike with everything that you show and wear, and hopefully, if you get any of our memorabilia uh, for that represent our fallen friends and their voices, Hopefully, you will post that on Instagram or Facebook every time you pick it up or use it and tag Bike Friendly in it. Uh, a lot of times, I get a tag. Every time you tag Bike Friendly in one of your posts, I get a message. Uh, I'm gladly getting more of those lately. Just sent out some mugs and t-shirts. The new six-foot social distancing t-shirt uh, just printed out about 
six or eight of them last night and shipped them out to uh, a couple to New York, a couple to Los Angeles, West Covina. Uh, big shout out to my boy out there, Andreas, who does some ghost bikes. Uh, I sent some out to, let me think, where else? Uh, here in downtown Atlanta. Um, a deal's got his on the way. Uh, a mug's going out to um, Abby up in Knoxville. I'm just trying to think if there's anybody else that I'm missing. I can't remember. But anyway, uh, hope you'll go there. And uh, everything there is a minimal cost. Every item that is sold, the 100% of the proceeds go back to the mission uh, of raising awareness for our fallen friends to get fair justice. Um, I'm all on board with this, with all the, the equal justice. Uh, I would, it would, it would really make you sit down and think about our judicial system and how unfairly cyclists are treated on the roads. Uh, I've done 83 ghost bikes about to do number 84 and five and six, uh, one for Jasper, Alabama, one for, uh, the silver comet trail and one for, uh, down near, uh, oh, in Brunswick. So, you know, I'm busy. Unfortunately, it's a bad busy. Um, I hope that you will join our mission to get equal justice. Uh, like I said, if we have all the facts from these crash sites, then the justice is due to come because court of law, uh, it usually pans out like it should. Um, but it is our court of law, and it can be wrong at times, but not as often as individual opinions or bias. And those are the things that we're trying to fight for and get rid of out of our system um, and cover-ups. And that's I see that all too often with cycling crashes. So anyway, we do have some also, last but not least, we do have some COVID-19 masks. Uh, we have several. Uh, some of them are a little thinner. They do a great job. They can, they all can be customized. If you've looked at any of the Instagram posts lately, I'll make sure tomorrow I post one. Um, I may post one tonight with our six-foot social distancing T-shirt with our mask. Um, you can get all those for minimal cost uh, in our online store. Uh, please go there. Please share our mission to try to get the fallen friends' voices and their families' voices heard so that we can get equal justice for everybody. Uh, these fallen riders are not getting anywhere near the fair treatment. Um, and that's got to change. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this um, episode of Bikes, Purpose, and Backhands. This is your host, David Matthews. If you have any questions or comments, you can leave me a voicemail in the... Uh, uh, Anchor app, and uh, you got any ideas, or if anybody wants to be a a uh, get interviewed here on Bikes, Purpose, and Backhands, uh, about time for me to start my tennis interviews back up again. But I'll also do some, maybe I'll do some pickleball with my boy Rob Nunnery, who's traveling, trying to be a pickleball pro in less than a year. Uh, shout out to him. Hopefully everything's going well with him also, uh, and also cycling. Maybe I'll get Joey Roscoff off the. CCC team out of Poland who's over in Europe training right now or maybe his dad. So anyway, hope everybody's having a great day. Hope you're getting by from this COVID-19 uh, pandemic 
getting by as safely as possible. And I wish everybody the greatest of health and a great evening. Y'all take care. Bye-bye. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Bikes, Burpees, and Backhands podcast. There are thousands of other podcasts out there. I really appreciate that uh, you're lending me your ear for the next 10 or 15 minutes. Just going to go over some uh, quick topics. I've uh, been missing everybody during the COVID break and uh, don't know. Hopefully everybody has done as best as possible. I really feel sad uh, that our um, any of our loved ones happened to get the COVID-19 virus. Um, hopefully they recovered from it. For those who did it, uh, my heart really is a sad place for you and your family. Um, I deal with this kind of tragedy quite a bit with our ghost bikes at Bike Friendly ATL, the sponsor of this podcast. Uh, and I w wish anybody nothing but health and uh, an enjoyable life. If you've worked hard to get it, then may God bless you with it because that is my firm belief. Anyway, on to our topics of the week. Um, I'm going to probably touch on about everything in our title of the podcast with the exception uh, I won't do too much on pickleball, but uh, uh, I will, you know, t briefly touch on it. First, I want to start off with tennis. Uh, very proud of uh, a group of kids that I have at Buford City Park. Um, they are training hard since the COVID break. Started back in, I guess, late May, early to late May when we finally could get out. We at Buford City Park, uh, Miss Jane Hunter, uh, have agreed um, that you know until we get back up and running full speed, which is going to take a while, we are limiting class sizes. So, if you're trying to get in a class with the big dog or Coach Hunter, uh, make sure you email her at bcptennis at aol.com and ask her any questions you got about the schedule about class all that kind of stuff you do need to fill out some uh, pretty good paperwork uh, and pay to get into the classes they are small we're keeping it down to about a four to one ratio um, you know and that's the park is back open for tennis uh, I believe there's still no lights for a little while longer uh, the canopies uh, are closed, or the pavilion is closed for social distancing, trying to keep all that and keep the spread of the virus down as minimal as we can, trying to wash our uh, pickup, ball pickup apparatus, you know, every time a class changes, uh, trying to uh, clean the restrooms quite often, on and on and on. We're doing everything we can to not add to the uh, virus spreading uh, I know school is coming up, and that's going to be a, another touchy subject. So hopefully that will, uh, you know, hopefully we won't add to the spread of the virus. That is for sure. Keep everybody healthy is our main goal. Uh, just want to go over the rankings really quickly. Coming out of this COVID break, uh, 
Uh, we've had some players do a little bit of moving, uh, really just getting their feet wet again and trying to uh, move on up the ladder. Uh, I've got a couple of kids uh, ranked around 50. Uh, Alicia Quast is in the girls' 18s. Kendall Quast is in the is uh, also in the 18s. They're ranked. Alicia is 50, uh, and Kendall is 89. Um, let's see. I have Taylor Acock in the girls' 14s is ranked 58. I have uh, Caroline Henderson ranked 188 in the girls' 16s. Uh, Miller Trout ranked. 92 in the boys 14s James Trout uh, in the boys 16s is ranked 106 uh, and also Ryan Huffman is ranked 645 in the boys 16 so that's our rankings the players are really working hard to work on their transition game uh, making enough ground strokes to get a short ball moving in behind it working on first serves and having to exploit the first serve and um, make everything happen off of that. So anyway, uh, just giving a shout out to those kids. They've been working really hard. Uh, hopefully we'll continue that hard work. I think we're working right now, two months away, the, uh, Georgia qualifier, which is in Norcross sometime in, in November. So we're working towards that. So, uh, moving on from there. <music> 